0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Merry Christmas again. I've got to take advantage of saying it while I can. Have you done all the, the fun Christmas things over the last few weeks? Have you listened to your favorite Christmas songs? Maybe to the point where you're maybe sick of them now? <laughs> Have you watched your favorite Christmas movies? I know that's what we're planning on doing. After the service, we're going to go back and watch all our favorite Christmas movies. Have you eaten all the sugar that you probably should for the entire year? <laughs> Not yet, but you're about to? <laughs> good, good. Christmas is a great time of year. It's, it, it's an experience, Christmas is. And you see things like what you're seeing on the screen here. You see that beautifully wrapped present sitting under the tree. And it has your name on it and a pretty bow on top. And the thing about that present is you want to know exactly what's inside, don't you? And you think by looking at it that maybe somehow you'll get x-ray vision and be able to see what's inside. And you analyze its features and you, you think, okay, it's in a small, skinny little thing. It might be a DVD or a CD. If it's a little bigger, it could be a book. When we were kids, if it was about this big and this high, it was JC or Kohl's. My my mom would go and get clothes that were going to fit me. We love the surprise of a gift, and we want to know what's inside of it so badly, but we don't want to ruin the Surprise, right? Because the glory of Christmas is in that surprise. It holds the beauty and the, and the majesty and the mystique behind the Christmas experience. We love these things, and they're good things. But I think we're, we fall in love with the, the Christmas experience and what goes along with that. The songs and the music and the surprise behind what's in a present And we maybe forget about Jesus' birth a little bit. Or it's not as surprising to us because we've heard it a hundred times before, haven't we? It's my goal this morning to show you the the beauty and the majesty and the surprise behind the Christmas story. Because it's food for our souls and it's something that we yearn for. Four. And surprises were really a part of Christmas from the very beginning, right? When an angel appeared to Mary, that was pretty surprising. And what the, what the angel told Mary, that was surprising, that she was going to have the Son of God in her womb, and she was still a virgin. Imagine Joseph's surprise when he found out that his wife-to-be was pregnant, and it wasn't his. It was surprising, and these surprises filled Christmas, and that's what we're here today to celebrate the surprise. So if you wanted to know something about me, you'd probably ask my wife or my family or my close friends. If I want to know something about you, I'd do the same thing. So this morning on Christmas, we're going to look at one of Jesus' close friends, John. The disciple who Jesus loved and John is writing his gospel for us and in the first few verses he writes something pretty surprising let's read from John chapter 1 verses 1 to 5 he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's a surprising way to start the gospel, isn't it? It's a little different than we see in in the Gospel of Luke, right? We don't hear anything about Elizabeth or Zechariah or John the Baptist. We don't hear about Mary or Joseph or, or the shepherds or the angels. Instead, we hear about this word. This word that existed from the beginning. Who was the word? You can say it. Jesus was the Word. Jesus existed from the beginning. Jesus was with the Father in the beginning. And more than that, Jesus was God from the very beginning of time. He made everything that you see around you. He was there when they said, let there be light. He helped create the planets, animals. He helped create humans. He was God of the universe. John is giving us a little different perspective on the nativity scene. Picture yourself at the nativity scene. Put yourself there at the time of Jesus' birth. You're you're in the background, you're standing between a cow and a donkey. What do you smell? Can you smell the hay? Can you smell the manure? Can you hear the cow snorting and chewing its cud and the animals rustling around? You know, I showed Pold Hereford cattle in the fair, and I know what those barns smell like. I can smell the hay and the manure. I can hear the cow snorting. This is a four-dimensional experience for me. And it is surprising to me that the God of the universe would choose for his son to be born in a barn. But you're there and you're experiencing these sounds and you're, you're seeing this young teenage girl and her husband and they're both smiling and they're both looking at this cute little cuddly baby wrapped in, in swaddling cloth and laid on a, a soft bed of hay in a cattle trough. There's nothing cuter than a sleepy baby, right? And you can't keep your eyes off of him just like Mary and Joseph can't. But the barn scene, the cute little cuddly baby is just the wrapping of the Christmas present. The Christmas present is what's inside this baby. That's what the surprise is of Christmas is. That in this, this sleepy little baby is the God of the universe. The God who spoke the wor- world into being. That's the God that when you're driving home from work and you see that beautiful Texas sunset and you get goosebumps thinking that you have a God that did something as beautiful as that. That's the God that's in that little baby. It's the God that when you're going through a hard time in your life and you needed someone to rely on, you needed that strength, that was your God in that little baby. Even if you were there, even if you were there and witnessed the birth of Jesus, it would be impossible to know what was going on. It would be impossible to grasp what was actually happening there because it was a miracle that God became flesh. The glory of God was in this little baby. That was the same glory that Moses saw. Moses went up on the mountain and he was talking to God and he asked God a question, probably a question that I would have asked God if I was there too. He said, God, can I see you? And God said back to Moses, "No one may see me and live. My glory is too great, my glory, glory is too frightening. This is a holy God and you are a sinner. If a sinner sees a holy God, he will most certainly die." So Moses, he comes down from the mountain and his face looked like this. His face was glowing from just being in the presence of God's glory. And it was glowing so brightly that the Israelites begged him to put a veil over his face just to cover the brilliance of his glory. That's the glory that was in this little baby. Not many people had had witnessed God's glory in the way that Moses had, but our writer in the Gospel today had. Do you remember when John went with his buddies, James and Peter, and they went with Jesus up on a mountain. And Jesus was transfigured before him. And it says that Jesus' face shone like the sun. And this scared, this scared James, Peter, and John. And they fell to, to the ground on their face because of God's glory, because his glory was so great. This was the same John that wrote for us the the book of Revelation. And in the very first chapter, he sees the Son of Man. And John writes, I fell at his feet as though dead. That was the glory of God that was inside this, this little baby. Does that tell you something? that we were so lost, that we were so helpless, that only God could come down and save us, that we needed God to do that. And only the power and the glory of the Almighty God would save us. The light of that glory shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. That light was life. It was Jesus' life. It is perfect, holy life that he lived for you. Because we couldn't do it. He did it for us. And his holy life shone that glory that gave us salvation and brought us to glory with him. The glory of Christmas is in the surprise that in this vulnerable little baby was the power of God. But here's the question. Why did he hide his glory? Was he trying to, to be like the undercover boss who's was going amongst his employees to, to see what's really happening here on earth, what these humans are really up to. Did he come, become man just to spy on us, to build a case against us so he could get us, so he could condemn us? Or was it for a different reason? The real glory of Christmas is in the answer to that question, that God came as a man not to dispense his justice against us, but to give us grace. We talked a little bit about giving presents at the beginning and how we love the surprise of seeing what's underneath the wrapping or guessing beforehand, what's what's underneath the wrapping, but I think one of the greatest surprises of Christmas is when you, when you open up the present and you realize how much thought went into that present, that that gift was unique to you, that it was perfectly tailored for you. It's surprising to think that there is someone out there who knows you well enough, and understands what you like and thinks about you so much that they got you a gift that was just for you and it was perfect for you. We love those gifts. They make us feel special, right? That's the present that we're unwrapping this morning. The God of the universe gave you a present in his son and he spared no expense to give it to you. Let's read our, our last verse from John this morning. We're skipping to verse 14. He says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God became man. The Word Became flesh. You know, I I think we say that Jesus was born and became a baby, and sometimes we kind of pass that statement off and we don't really think about what that means. That God was a baby. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. He had to do everything for they had to do everything for him because he was a helpless little baby. God left his position of power and of comfort and chose to come down and live a life that was uncomfortable and a life of weakness. Before this, Jesus had never been hungry. He'd never been thirsty. He'd never felt pain. He'd never been tired. But he chose to experience all of those things for you. He chose to dwell among us. I get pretty excited about what the, what the Greek word is here for, for dwelt among us. It means that he, he tented among us. And you're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, that's, what's the big deal with that? that? That brings us back to the tabernacle. Do you remember that? That, that tent in the wilderness with Moses? When God told them to to make a sanctuary for me, so they built this tabernacle. And God promised that there he would dwell among his people. In that tent, God's presence would be there. And here's what it meant. It meant that God wanted to be with his people. So Moses and the people that followed Moses, they built this tabernacle. And when God was coming to dwell there, his glory showed up there and it was amazing and a little frightening there was there was this pillar of fire there were rumblings there were billows of smoke but the glory of this was not in the thing that scared the people the glory of this is what god's presence meant there what god dwelling among his people in that tabernacle meant is that he accepted their sacrifices that he gave them forgiveness. He forgave all of their sins. That there he unconditionally loved his people and he gave grace. That's what God's presence, that's what God's dwelling among his people meant. Years and years later, King David was looking at the Ark of the Covenant of God, and he he saw that it was being kept in this, this tent. And he saw that he was living in this big palace, and he said, it clicked in his head, and he's like, this shouldn't be the case. Why is the Ark of the Covenant of God in a tent, and why am I living in a palace? We need to build a temple for God. So God comes to him after he said this and he says, David, I have always been with you, but you're not going to build my temple. He says, He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Who is the he here? Jesus. Jesus was going to come and he was going to be the temple. Remember when Jesus told the people that he was the temple of God? That he would destroy the temple and that he would rebuild it in three days? That Jesus himself would die and that he would rise three days later? Jesus was the temple. He had come here to tent among his people to show them his glory. Was his glory scary, frightening? We saw that on the Mount of Transfiguration, but the the rest of the glory is the rest of the story. And that's what John is trying to tell us in John 1, 14. He says, oh, there it is. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, Full of what? Grace and truth. The glory of Christmas is in that surprise. That that God's glory came not to bring us condemnation, not to, to send us to hell, but to give us life and to give us grace and deal with us in grace and truth. I was thinking about the Christmas presents that I had received in, in the past, and unfortunately, I couldn't think of one that, that really popped out to me. Not that I haven't received awesome Christmas presents, but the pre- one present that really stuck out to me, and I'm not just saying this because my wife is here today, but it was a present that she got me for our one-year dating anniversary, which was a big deal for us back then, and she got me these Nike, these Nike shoes. But then she got me these 52 index cards for 52 weeks in the year, and each one had a date of a memory that we, we had in the, that first year of dating. And it meant a lot to me, and it surprised me, because as a guy, I was thinking that I would get her a gift, but I wasn't really expecting to get a gift in return. So it was surprising, and it meant a lot to me, because it was awesome to see all those, those memories and those good times that we had in that first year. And it made me feel special and, and loved. That's what, how the glory of Christmas is supposed to make us feel. That God gave you this beautiful present wrapped in this little baby who came to the earth for you to live and to die and to rise again for you That the God of the universe, who is holy and perfect and almighty, chose to make himself weak to be your Savior. That's the glory that I love telling about. And that's the glory that I know that you love telling about too. Let's do that this Christmas and always. Amen.